everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. another episode of we're not wizards my name's richard i'll be your host for march it's actually april now isn't it failed already well by the time it comes out it'll be april anyway i mean maybe i don't know there's something going on with my brain it's almost a case that maybe it's been influenced by some kind of i don't know alien technology i don't know and it happened to my grandfather eons and eons ago ages and ages ago even back into the kind of last century and beyond because joining me today to talk about their kickstarter i have got a gentleman by the name of justin blasky justin blasky is from fun hey that's me is you and and you know he's from 524 labs but obviously as i said to him those americans can't get their dates right, so his company name is actually the 24th <laughs> of May, and I want him to change everything, the domain name and the whole thing. But we are here today to talk about Area 1851 Express, which... Uh, well, thank you for having me. If, um, you know, I think you deserve a medal for putting up with the previous 10 minutes of nonsense, which is never ever going to appear anywhere <laughs> it was still fun uh, you know well that's what we that's what we kind of kind of try to do um <clears throat> how are you first of all are you well i'm i'm doing all right it's been a it's been a busy day so far but a good day that's good whereabouts are you in are you i am i'm in a quandary i don't want to i'm gonna say you know as i say it could be four hours or the eight hours but we'll discuss that as we go in i'll potentially come up with an epiphany on the entire situation but these people are just going to have to wait if that happens, basically. Yep. <laughs> That's the way it's going to be. Well, they'll, they'll get it eventually. They will get or not get it at all, which is, I've come to kind of... Or not. I've come to kind of expect that, to kind of be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, for people, people who haven't listened to the show before, um, bless you, child, for doing so. The reason, <laughs> the reason that we do this is because um, I'm a firm believer that technically at some point, if I keep doing this, I will have interviewed every single person that's ever been involved in the tabletop space. And the other reason that we do this is because um, uh, there was uh, a kind of a posting on a Facebook group and it started a conversation with somebody called Rachel and Rachel introduced me to Justin and so we were having a conversation to talk about the Kickstarter, which I think is kind of right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, that that sounds awesome. Yes. I think that's how it worked out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm guess if we've done something wrong, then we'll get picked up on it later on. It's all it's all kind of fine. Um, what's mood like in camp at the moment? Because you're currently, um, you've got about round about kind of like well about eighteen days to go on the campaign. You're 
sneezing about the 50% level in terms of funding. So how, how are you feeling at the moment? Uh, it's it, Obviously, we're not where we wanted to be at this point initially, but um, I still have hope. Uh, we're, we're tense, but hopeful, I think would be the the, mm-hmm. the easy explanation right now. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we 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 didn't we didn't we didn't rock it off like we'd hoped at the start, but um, we still got a good footing, and I think I think we can still make it. It's a strange time because I've um, I've kind of seen a lot of people kind of rock it off and go into the stratosphere, and I've seen other guys kind of like steady as they are and kind of eventually fund, and I've seen other people that have kind of just not got anywhere at all, and there's no rhyme or reason. For kind of anything, yeah, it, kind of at all, you know. It's a weird situation right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were to- we were talking about um, even kind of Weta's kind of latest offering, kind of District Nine, just not getting the kind of the traction. Um, but then in the background, you've right. got like the um, you've got other ones which just seem to be plowing away kind of quite nicely. But we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about you, and we're here to find <laughs> out. A little bit more about your bad self, and oh boy, <laughs> and how you actually got into the world of pressed and printed trees in the first place, Justin. Educate me. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, so, I mean, it goes all the way back to probably junior high for D and D and stuff like that. Okay, and before then, even you know the the risks and the monopolies and the clues, but. For modern board gaming, it probably really was, as it is with a lot of people, um, Settlers was really the the thing that got me back into this crazy hobby that we have. Um, playing that and getting into that and started making like a, a recurring event with friends and started uh, hearing about other games. I think after that it was mm. Alien Frontiers kind of pulled me in. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of different things we can do. Do you think that um, in... America itself, do you think that the problem with people spreading um, the drug that is settlers of Catan is currently bigger than any kind of threat by, say, the likes of marijuana? Um, (laughs) Because because anyone that I've spoken to that has started on, on Catan, you know, has ended up, you know, with a habit that in some ways has cost them a small fortune, has right. obviously increased their social circle, but, you know, has definitely decreased the ability of how much storage space they have in their houses. <laughs> um, that's a that's a really funny uh, way to think about it, though. I, I, mean, I just... It's a, it's a problem. I just... You know what? And it's right in people's faces. I don't think there's any legislation for it as well. You know... I think if you said what are you doing tonight and you could walk by a couple of cops in the town and say, right, I've got a big bag of weed. I'm just going away to smoke it. They would be on you. You know, they would be on you like <laughs> no business. They might be a little upset. They might if be a you, little upset about if it. If you, however, passed with a couple of copies, you know, if you had Catan under one arm, you know, and you maybe a ticket to ride under the other, not a word. <laughs> Not a word. They, 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 what's that? Where's that nerd going? Exactly. What are you doing? <laughs> I've did some. I've did some sheep, and I'm chasing the train. Chasing the train. That's right. And that's it. 
Um, <laughs> what a load of nonsense. But anyway, it's, it's just something, you know, it's something that's going under the radar. And what's happening with the big Catan Empire? I mean, are we, you know, are we going after the guys at source here? I mean, this is a national problem. Yeah, or maybe it is in my mind, but I have no idea. Um, did you go then to build up a bigger collection from there? I mean, was that your kind of your jumping off point? And you, yeah, yeah, that was definitely that was definitely where I started off, um, and uh, it it slowly started growing. Found out about Kickstarter, and you know, then things really started growing, and <laughs> just really started getting into the hobby. Listening to podcasts, watching reviews, and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. and then uh, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> what was? <laughs> do you remember the first Kickstarter game that you that you backed? Oh man, you know what? I actually might be able to pull it up here. I don't know offhand. Let's find out. It's probably gonna, I'm probably going to find it and be like, oh, I don't want to say. Because <laughs> I've sold it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like it might have been Supertooth. The first time really? Supertooth went to Kickstarter. Which was quite a while ago. Uh, they Actually, I think that failed. Um, and the, the guy actually who designed it is the... I want to say his name is Neil. He's from around here. He's he's from about three four hours away, and uh, we had met up at a local convention. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And that project eventually it it failed, but got picked up by GameRate, and so now it's been fully published by GameRate, new art and everything. That's pretty cool. So it's pretty it's a pretty cool little success story for him. I think mine was um, Heavy Steam, by oh. Greenbrier Games. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's um. It's a it's a spectacular game that I don't think kind of gets a love enough love, but it right. it is the epitome of Kickstarter. It came in, it funded kind of relatively well, did okay at the time, went out to the backers, and you never ever hear about it. You know, yeah, it's quite kind of quite kind of a sad kind of sad thing. Heavy Steam was interesting to me. I saw that one, like so. I had been working on a steampunk mech game. All right, that I was designing. And then uh, Heavy Steam shows up on, on Kickstarter. And I was like, I think I'm just going to shelf this game for a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> it was strange because um, it was a case of... Um, it was really funny because I remember at the time kind of looking at it and going... The board itself was tiny. I mean, the board itself was maybe not as not even as big as two sheets of like A4 paper. Yeah. Okay. So it's like it was about maybe seven inches. The board was maybe seven or eight inches across by maybe about um, twenty and in, twenty inches wide, twenty inches length. Okay. Yeah. So it was a tiny board, and you just put your figures on there, and you move them kind of up and down, and depending on what you did. But the actual kind of um, player board was huge because you were funneling kind of steam. You had to funnel your power all yeah. Yeah. And it was very, very, um, it was very, very complicated. And I did play it a couple of times, but it was quite difficult to teach. Mm. So yeah, that's rough. You know that is a bit kind of kind of rough. Are you more of a Kickstarter person? Or are you a, a retail person, or are you kind of a mixture, a mixture of the two when it comes to your kind of your collection? I'm probably. A pretty even mixture. I'll I'll keep my ears to Kickstarter to see what's coming out. I'll back some stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I also like to just you know wander into the the game store here in town and see what's on the 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 new stuff end cap and 
and see what's going on there too. Mm-hmm. What have you? I mean, what have you bought recently compared to what have you you kind of backed quite recently? Hmm. So, uh, recent buy actually f- a funny recent buy would be uh, I guess just a few months back I bought Dinosaur Island. Oh yeah, in the store yeah. instead of backing it on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, just because I'd missed out on that one. Um, uh, actually got an amazing deal. Actually, Rachel found this deal uh, at uh, Barnes & Noble here. Oh, right. They, okay. like to, they like to do their clearance sales on occasion. She picked up uh, Downforce for like 10 bucks. No way. Yeah, base game for 10 bucks. No way. Yeah. I always wonder about that. I wonder about retail establishments and like, you know, thrift stores, charity shops as well. Because sometimes, oh, yeah. like, you walk in, there's, like, places you walk in and there'll be something that'll be, like, ridiculously priced. And other times you walk in and be like, you're actually selling that for £15. I almost feel guilty going right? up to the counter. And it was almost like a right. case I thought about handing over, like, a £20 note and saying, <laughs> you know, keep the change because I'm actually doing you out of money here kind of thing. Um, like well, like for me, seeing that kind of stuff happen, I wonder. But as a publisher, oh great, did they did they lose their some of their deal here with them? Now that they're clearancing out their games, like I get concerned on the the industry side. Oh no, are these guys going to have trouble putting more restoration games into Barnes and Nobles now because of stuff like that? I I don't know. I it depends on how the individual business model works. I guess. It depends yeah. on if it's a Barnes and I don't know if it's like you'll have managers that'll just have the ability to say, right, okay, we're getting twenty new lines coming in. We need to clear out some of the old stock. Right. And you know, to be honest, if you're Barnes and Noble, you're not necessarily. Sometimes you've maybe got board games, and we've got like Waterstones over here, which is kind of like the same type of deal. Okay. They're kind of like bookshops, but as time goes on. You know, the other day I was in, they had like Fallout there. They had Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. They've always got the staples like kind of Scotland Yard and obviously mm-hmm. Gateway Drug Catan um, kind of sitting <laughs> on the shelves. Um, but I sometimes wonder the guys in there, um, I wouldn't, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, I wouldn't necessarily go up and ask the staff expecting them to know about kind of like the games. You know, I wouldn't expect to go up and say, you know, grab Catan and say, look, is this any good? Because I wouldn't expect them to. It'd be like kind of going up and saying, you know, here's you know here's the latest novel here. What you know? What do you think of this book? Do you think I should kind of I should buy it? You know, based on you know right. the you know it'd be kind of put them in a, a kind of a an unfair position. Have you played Downforce yet? Have you got it to the table? Um, I I haven't played the, our new copy of it, but I have played it before. A friend of mine actually has it. And All right, I liked cool. it quite a bit. Cool, cool. Have you what about Dinosaur Island? Have you managed to play that yet? I I have played that one. That is that's a fun one. I like uh, it's a you know it's a nice heavy crunchy game, but it, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I've played that a couple of times myself. I played it um, played it with the kids, and they kind of enjoyed it. They kind of like the color scheme, the kind of the day glowness of it. That, um, yeah, that that nineties vibe. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've got kind of a similar theme game, Dinogenics. Okay. Which is kind of like um, it's kind of like the grittier version, I guess. If DC did a oh. dinosaur island game, because it's kind of like more. Um, I know it's, Richard. It's the, yeah. The grey dark. <laughs> grim dark. Or, yeah, the, that grim dark version. <laughs> the grim dark version. Nah, it's just kind of like um, 
darker dinosaurs and stuff like that. And it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's not as day glow as Dinosaur Island, but there's been a lot of buzz about it because they put, I think they put the retail copies on the shelves and on the on their stores internationally, and it kind of like sold out within about ten minutes, much to everybody kind of oh, going. So it's kind of like it's done kind of, it's done kind of quite well. Um, That's awesome. In terms of, in terms of like um, your kind of journey. When did you start kind of getting into the design kind of side of things? What made you kind of pick up the, the kind of the pen and the paper? Uh, it was mm, it was a while ago. So back uh, forever ago, there there was an episode of the Dice Tower that I remember um, Tom going on about. There just wasn't enough Western games out there. He was he was annoyed that there were so many uh, zombie games and. Nobody was really taking on westerns, and I thought, well, I could do that. Maybe I don't know. It's just kind of started making an idea around that concept back then, um, and that's that's actually did what you work turned on into what was. Oh, go ahead. No, I said, did you? Is that did, did had you okay. been working on it for a while before you kind of got started off? Then? Um. Uh. Yes and no. So well. So. Uh, Area 1851 was was the Western game I ended up designing in response to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it was I worked on it for probably two years before taking it to Kickstarter the first time. Um, and and because uh, I had originally launched, tried to launch it as a full fledged board game so many years ago, several years ago, mm-hmm. um, and that did not fund. And then I ended up getting picked up by Games Loop right there, right then and there too. And then they mm-hmm. they funded it and made it, and so. We were able to get new art, cool stuff, make it all beautiful. Yeah. And they released it, and it just didn't sell well for them. Um, and so I was able to get the rights to the art and everything back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to kind of do a tuning pass, and that's uh, remove some of the, the ancillary things that just slowed the game down and confused things a bit. And yeah, came out the other end with what we have now with uh, Area 1851 Express. So is that the whole idea? Was it? Did you kind of were you frustrated a little bit by the kind of the finished product that was there? That you thought, well, if I'm going to do this again, if I'm going to take a second bite of the cherry here, I'm going to streamline it and take out an awful lot of things that were kind of there. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, you know, sitting back, like it wasn't a bad game, but it wasn't a great game at all. And mm-hmm. like looking back at it, I, uh, uh, it, it. It was definitely a first, a designer's first game kind of kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to cut. I didn't know what things would would work overall. So just kind of just threw a bunch of things in, and, and it, it was playable. But uh, I think it just it needed a a, a good uh, a good pass of development with some experience behind it, just to kind of knock out the things that weren't necessarily important. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Did you, I mean, did you have other projects kind of on the go? I mean, are you the type of creator that has always got like a pad of kind of like five or ten various different kind of game ideas at various different stages? Or do you just kind of like sit there and say, right, I'm going to concentrate solely and completely on this idea until it kind of gets to fruition and then kind of see where we go from there? I I kind of have I have a lot of stuff going all at different points really. Um, uh, sometimes an idea will just come to me and I gotta write it down and I'll circle back around to it later. I've got I probably have 
I'm looking at the, the shelf of things, I probably have five or six different games that are in various states of playability that mm-hmm. at some point in time we'll be able to move forward on, but a lot of them aren't mint in games, and so I, I don't get a focus on those yet right now. Gotta, yeah, got to stick with the mint tins for the most part. <laughs> because you had um, Mintworks, yes, that came out. I mean, where was where did they where did that come from? Was again that just kind of like an idea that just went, oh, this this actually is going to work. Oh, this works kind of really really well. And wow, it's you know let's let's get this kind of out there as kind of quickly as possible. It was a it was an interesting situation. Um, uh, there was a competition on BGG. Uh, it was like one of the design competitions, and it was make a game that fits in a mint tin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really that was the only requirement: is do whatever you want. Just when all said and done, the whole game has to fit inside a little Altoids tin. Yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, that's cute. I'm never going to be able to do something like that. That's that's a <laughs> weird constraint. I'm not going to deal with that." Mm-hmm. So I just discounted it. And then a week later, I'm just sitting on the couch relaxing and, oh, wait a second. What if I did this? That might work. And, you know, went and wrote some stuff down, started testing it. And, uh, I mean, after probably two hours of, of making files and printing it out and stuff, it was playable. And, I mean, not that different than what it is today. I mean, that was kind of like... Um... That was what you would call the successful breakthrough debut album, for because sure. Because the well, f- I mean, first of all, you kind of had um, you had people like Rado kind of look at it, and you know he was coming out with things like saying, "Yeah, if you know you were basically kind of reneging on your nerd status if you didn't have a copy of this in your back, right, right, your yeah, back yeah, pocket, yeah, kind of something along those lines." I remember that. Yeah, like any it was like any card carrying any card- <laughs> geek is gonna have this game or something like that. Yeah, I was like, that's that's a quote we need on the campaign page. <laughs> I know I'm looking at it just now. Oh, nice, um, nice. <laughs> but I mean, was that kind of was that kind of strange to kind of be in that kind of situation where you're kind of like, well, this is just something I thought. Why is everybody kind of kind of loving it so much you right. get kind of get feel a bit like get a bit of imposter syndrome and stuff it like was that. very surreal i mean like i i, I agreed that it was a good game but I, the just the amount of people who were getting behind it, it was surprising and a little overwhelming because i had actually started the campaign i was personally messaging every backer yeah it got to where it was gaining backers so quickly i could spend an eight-hour day messaging people and not make it any closer to the end actually be further from the end and so i actually had to to cut it off at one point and be like i can't keep messaging people or i'll be messaging people before we get this thing into print Mm -hmm. because at the end of it at the end of it you ended up with like over six and a half thousand backers yeah yeah it's it was crazy and and uh, it's it was so much more than i was ready for but i mean it worked out. We were able to get things done. I think hmm. um, we, we actually f- fulfilled on time with that campaign, um, and and had you know we got six thousand plus people who got to to see how I run a campaign, which is you know I try to be very transparent with what I'm doing and decisions that need to be made that that I can you know I, I'll I'll get the input from the backers if it's a thing that 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 would make sense for them to give input on, 
Um, but even so, I, I'll still take the, the the game, like what's best for the game, and move forward with that kind of thing. And 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 uh, I think it helped. It helped people to see what we were doing. Having you know a nice low price point made it easy for people to jump in and not feel like it was a risk. Because I think we were like twelve dollars US for yeah. Europe and Australia, and so we had about forty percent of our backers were overseas. Yeah, I mean, for that, I mean, let's look at. I mean, in all honesty, when you've got like the Kickstarter landscape, and it seems that kind of like the big box games are creeping up around about the hundred hundred and twenty dollar mark, right. to the point where some games I've seen are basically, in all honesty, you've got to sink. At least a hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy dollars to kind of get the actual vision of the designer. Sometimes, once you add in kind of like additions and stuff like that, something like yours, I can see it becoming a no-brainer for people. I can see it being, you know, people kind of just saying, "Well, if this person, you know, Rat, whether Rado liked it, you know, Ed O'Baraf liked it, James right. Hudson liked it, all these different people from the industry were kind of like saying they kind of really, really liked it. But then looking at the price and you saying, well, it's 12 bucks, it's like, well, I spent, you know, I spent 12 bucks last night getting a takeaway meal. Right. <laughs> you know, it instantly becomes something that, um, you know, something that becomes like almost like, as I say, it's a no brainer. I can see that because, um, Kickstarter is obviously very good at when somebody backs a project, everybody that follows them gets a little notification. So I can sometimes see how the virus kind of takes off. But, I mean, so you delivered Mintworks. You decided, obviously, to completely scale it back and live the quiet life with the (laughs) next project. Right, right. Yeah, Which was, just want to keep know, it small. It's a, you know, a, a low-key campaign. Humble. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. Just, you know. Just, and then you went to Mint Delivery. Right. And um, even with, with you being prepared how Mint works took off, did you in any way, shape or form <laughs> Were you ready for what happened with mint delivery? Because that went, that went. Hey, mint works. Hold my beer. <laughs> right. That's exactly what happened. I, I thought I was ready, but I, I was not ready for that level. And it, it, it I was just short of ten thousand backers. I think it, it was a lot more people and a lot more units, and, uh, just there was a lot more going on on that campaign. Because we added on, because you could add on Mintworks, because also behind that campaign was a reprinting of Mintworks, because Mintworks had done so well, we ran out of it, <laughs> and so and so we got all the people coming in for Mintworks and Mint delivery and getting double copies and all that stuff. It was, it just blew up. I think it funded in like eight hours or something like that, and we were, we might have been close to two hundred percent funded on the first day. I can't remember offhand right now. I'm not looking at it, but it went. It went amazingly well. Like it just, I, I, my, I keep, I always say my mind is blown. I feel like I say it too much, but that's really what was happening. Like this, it was doing so much better than I could have hoped and expected. Even, even knowing that it would have some of that coming from Mintworks. But even then, as I say, you, can, it's like strange because you can't, you can't be a judge of Kickstarter. Right. As in, what what's kind of going to happen next? 
and um you know i think that was kind of like at the time where people were kind of like yeah again it's kind of like it was a no-brainer it was kind of fairly easy mm-hmm. did you did you feel um did you feel going an extra octave um <laughs> that did you feel that there was pressure then for the next project to kind of continue with like a minty theme yeah, I mean, and, I mean, are you able to walk down the street and just breathe on people, and they go, oh, "Justin, so minty fresh." <laughs> but um, <laughs> like after that campaign, yeah, um, we kind of we are now the the mint people, and so that's uh, actually really funny. Uh, you know, there's there's a few other companies that are doing mint in games, um, uh, Subcork, Thing Twelve. They've got some some games that are in mint tins, and. Uh, mm-hmm. People will ask me about them, like, "Why'd you do it this way?" Why'd you? I'm like, "That's that's not me. I I get that we do mint in games, but we don't mm-hmm. we don't make them all." And so, yeah, it's it's just uh, five twenty four labs and mint tins have become synonymous now, which I knew was going to be a problem because we've got these back. I've got a shelf. Uh, Mel, the other mm-hmm. designer that's part of the company, he's got uh, you know several games on the shelf. None of these games are mint tin games, and so yeah. I actually tried to get ahead of it in some of the updates towards the end of the delivery campaign. I was saying, Hey, our next project probably not going to be mint in game. Just so you know, like we're going to change things up a little bit. We'll still be doing mint in games in the future, but the next one's probably not just to, just to start to ease people into the concept that our next game won't be the $10 Insta back. In terms of like a re- I mean, for a reality check for people that, kind of listen with I mean is raising six figures on a Kickstarter campaign does that mean you're automatically kind of going full time Uh as a games designer or is that a case that look I have got (laughs) I've got I've got night I've got 10,000 games to make I know it's gonna cost me it's gonna cost me you know it's going to cost me $4 a unit to make. However, it's going <laughs> to cost me $7 to ship it out to you. So actually, you know, out of that $136,000, you know, pounds or $170,000, um, that actually leaves me with not an awful lot. I'm not, you know, okay, so we're maybe getting an extra, you know, portion of prawn crackers when we have a change. <laughs> you know, when we have a Chinese takeaway, but you know, we're not we're not kind of rolling around in money. We're not like Scrooge McDuck here, right? No, yeah. Uh, I mean, it looks impressive, right? You people will probably think that, well, we've we've made what we need to. We should be able to just go on forward now. But uh, mm-hmm. in fulfillment costs alone, um, for mint delivery, I we probably I, it was over a hundred thousand dollars. I think it was closer to one hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. In uh, so you know the vast majority of that money went to mailing it around the world. And so uh, it, it, it goes away real quick when you're, when you're ordering a, a bunch of units and shipping them around. And uh, to get that price point, we took a lot smaller margins on the game just because we wanted to, to, mm-hmm. to maintain that Insta buy kind of concept. Um, and so it, it kind of bit us back in that we didn't have a lot of margin to deal with with yeah. uh, unseen 
issues and stuff. So, yeah. uh, unfortunately, it's not my full time job these days. I I'm still doing a regular day job thing. Uh huh. Uh huh. In terms of like though, with like say a retail tale, were you then able to kind of like with, you know, with mint delivery, did that afford you to get enough units to then start kind of plugging away at the retail side of things or like as I'm thinking you're kind of like yeah we got some extra copies but it was maybe a sell at kind of conventions and stuff like that I've not been able to order another 5,000 units to stick into kind of retail distribution or anything uh, we uh, uh, definitely ordered enough to be able to satisfy backers and then put some into distribution um, mm-hmm uh, which I mean, delivery is still in, t- in distribution right now. It's uh, it's, right. it's available. Uh, I, I get messages here and there when people showing it at their game stores on the shelf. Um, mm-hmm. and it works. Sold out again. Uh, like we, we <laughs> got into distribution and it almost immediately sold through. And so we're uh, we're we're looking to reprint that one again here in the in the future. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it. The goal was to get into retail, but it's just hard to. To order enough units, and to still gauge the market appropriately, really, to know how many extra units to get. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Even Jamie Stegmaier, you know, he wrote that blog entry about saying, "Well, look, not being funny here, guys, but um, you know, I have absolutely no idea how many units are going to go into distribution because um, if it's a new game, it's got my name, it's got my tag on it." but it's a new designer, I still have no idea how well it's going to kind of do. So, you know, you're kind of like forecasting, you know, <laughs> kind of forecasting the weather six months into the future. Right. It's <laughs> Kind uh, of a no idea of kind of what's going on. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. It really is. And uh, and I think that's why you see so many publishers still using Kickstarter. I, I hate having used Kickstarter. I wish that we could mm-hmm. get this kind of thing, like get some direct feedback and... It, this, this general idea somewhere else because I mean Kickstarter is very saturated and nobody likes giving them 10% of what you raise it, it affects everything and so yeah it does yeah it, 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 I wish I didn't have to do it but I mean obviously we're still here but someday I'd like to, to, to make like Jamie and kind of hop off and be able to do things ourselves but yeah it's just so hard to gauge yeah. the market without something like Kickstarter out there yeah, I mean, yeah, it's and getting in front of kind of actual kind of getting it published away from Kickstarter can be tricky as well. I mean, getting it pitching, making oh, yeah. sure it's turning up, and it depends obviously on your sense of ownership over the game. You know, do you want somebody who's maybe going to take the game and say, This is really, really good, however, we need to add kind of X, Y, and Z to it. Like, you know, it sounds like that was kind of maybe what happened with the original kind of area 1851, that it was reworked a little, and a little bit of extra stuff that was kind of added into it at the time, um, which, as you said, is why you've kind of you've kind of scaled it back. Did you... Um, is that... I mean, with obviously, you're talking about Mintworks being a, a kind of a it's out of print and you're thinking about doing another version of it. Why was, why did you make the decision then to not just tack it on 
to Area 1851, because that to me would have seemed like, well, it's a no-brainer here. Right. People get their game, Mint Works games reprinted, we're guaranteed to get, you know, another, you know, at least another couple of thousand backers and stuff like that. Did you, did you, had that kind of thought came across the table with you and the team, maybe adopting that strategy for the game? It, it had come across. Um, we really wanted to, uh, to focus on what the actual campaign was about. Um, mm-hmm. and we, and we, we learned a lot of lessons with the mint delivery campaign with add-ons and, and a lots of different ways to order and whatnot. It caused a lot of confusion in fulfillment down the road. And so we tried to streamline things and make it simpler. You know, get the game, get two copies of the game kind of thing. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, throwing it on there as a, as a potential add-on might have been enough to get us to blast through on that first day, but it wouldn't give us a very accurate uh, depiction of where... Area 1851 Express sits in the market, though. It'd be very, very bloated by those Mintworks numbers. And so we may end up ordering yeah. too many issues or copies extra and then sitting on a thousand of them that can't sell. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, because it was such a different game, because we were, we were, it was, you know, it's what we like to call our big box game. We, uh, we decided to just let it stand on its own and see where it goes. We, we believed in it. Obviously, we wouldn't even try to push it out if we had. It's a great game, and uh, and and I still think it's going to fund on its own. And if we have to do a campaign down the road for a reprint on Mintworks, or if we're able to to secure that in other ways, we'll do that. But um, like the, we'll get the Mintworks reprint going for sure, just because that's it's kind of our evergreen title at this point, and it just keeps selling. So we got to keep it in stock if we can. How do you okay? I mean, we've spoken enough. I feel minty fresh. I don't know about <laughs> you. I'm kind of my eyes. I'm breathing out so much. My eyes are watering a little bit. Um, you know, obviously, it's now important. Almost forty minutes into the show, about the reason that you came on the show in the first place, <laughs> to talk about the reason that you came on the show in the first place, which is to tell, <laughs> tell everyone. I do this all the time, Justin. That's all right. You know, it's uh, it's what um, the show's about, you know, right? It just it's just. It's slow and steady wins the race. That is I right. I guess. I'm thinking about going in tomorrow, I'll be honest, to, to ask the previous question that we thought, just to get some kind of stuff done. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to even though my, Well, even though my out-of-office is on, which means that if people try to email me, then they're going to get like any the out-of-office flag kind of coming up, which means I'll probably be less disturbed than normal, so it's potentially a win-win. Yeah, you'll get even more done. I think so. I think so. Um... So I'm glad we got that sorted out. <laughs> um, <laughs> and everybody's going to go, what's that about? What's this? Is this secret code? It's like, yes, it is. Yeah, it's, it's just um, secret. It's, a- it's ASMR secret code. <laughs> and later on, later on, we're going to be eating some crisps. Yeah. Um, Area 1851 Express. Yes. Tell me about it. So. Educate us. Well. It is a card drafting game. Um, mm-hmm. I like to say it fits somewhere between Sushi Go and Seven Wonders in complexity. So you got it's got a little more decision making to do. You've got a little more going on, but not quite as crazy as Seven Wonders. Plays in like half an hour, four to five minutes, depending on how many players you're playing with, and um, it's got a lot of funny stuff going on in it, both in card names and flavor text, and just the weird ways you combine it. It's 
definitely kind of a, a goofy, lighthearted game that uh, that you still got to pay attention to while you're playing it. Otherwise, someone else is just going to run away with it. And how many players? Uh, two to five, though. There's been some requests on the campaign. Um, and uh, uh, because of the Mint 10 games, people have liked my solo modes. And so I've uh, been working on a solo... Uh, experience for area 1851 express and it's been it's making good progress i've got it to a few people to test to see if it's okay solid enough to fully develop and it looks like it might be so uh hopefully here in a few days i can post an update talking about or maybe i've posted it already depends on when this goes up um talking about what solo will look like <laughs> i like how you covered yourself there <laughs> just in case time travel man just in case I might just kind of like just post this immediately. <laughs> I don't think there's much to edit. Nah. Apart from me sounding like a Muppet. But, you know, I always sound like a Muppet. So there's not an awful lot to kind of I don't think you can edit to that. To kind of edit. I, <laughs> I don't think I can remove it by surgery, to be perfectly honest. It's just one of these things. Um, you know, uh, is it quite is it quite quick to play? I mean, you're looking at, you know, 40 minutes. Is it an hour long? Is it, you know? I, I, I think that... Once you sit down, if everybody knows it, it's going to go on like half an hour. Um, you go 45 minutes with a teach, and as long as everybody's focused, because it is a drafting game, and there's a lot going on, if people start side-talking or someone gets distracted, you're going you're gonna to slow it down a bit, just because everybody's kind of waiting on one person, potentially. Or if you get someone who kind of APs a little too much with uh, some of the choices. But really, on average, you're going to look at half an hour, 45 minutes, and... Uh, you should, what should am I going to do in a turn? Oh, on a turn. So you'll you'll. What am I going to do in a turn? You will take. Uh, yeah. So you get a hand of cards, uh, seven to start yeah. with. You will select one of those cards based on any number of factors. Maybe you like the name. Maybe you want the points. Maybe you like the effect it gives you. You'll lock that in as your choice for the turn. Once everybody's done that, you reveal it. You either you're either starting a new gadget, putting it in what we call your scrap heap, which is kind of a save for later pile. Maybe you're attaching it to something you've already started. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing that. Then potentially someone delivers something that they've completed. If not, pass those cards around and keep going. You just kind of a rinse and repeat there. You do that for three rounds back and forth until, you know, you've, you've built a, a plethora of gadgets and everybody knows your reputation. And there you go. Is it, I mean, have you been tempted to kind of add additional things? And when you're thinking about, Stretch goals. Have you said right? Okay, no more mechanics. Right. We're just going to go for like quality of life stuff. So you get some thicker card. We'll maybe do some slightly different tokens. You know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah, we we did because because I didn't want to do things that would really delay getting it off to the manufacturer. Because we've already got all the art. Mm-hmm. We've got all the the vast majority of the design work done. So we didn't mm-hmm. want to add a bunch of stuff mid campaign. That would cause mm-hmm. us to miss our our expected date, because you can't change that once you put it on the pledge level. And if you add things to the campaign, well, you can you can say in an update that oh we've added enough stuff we're gonna have to push our delivery date out, but that doesn't matter three months down the road when someone's looking at what it says on the pledge level. And so we we really wanted to be able yeah. to deliver on time, and uh, and that's and so and everything that would be coming that would be added. We've got, I've got expansion, a lot of, of an expansion made already. And so that would go in, mm-hmm. into that expansion, which 
we actually wouldn't print at the same time. It would be a separate printing and a separate delivery. It's just kind yeah. of a thank you to everybody who got us to that point. So we would send it to everybody uh-huh. for free on that. But uh, okay. yeah, yeah, that, I really just didn't want to add a bunch of mechanics mid-campaign to bog things down and, and, and maybe unbalance things because we still we would have to test it again. And so it's it's yeah it's too... i mean it's all very yeah yeah as you yeah as you're quite right it's all very well kind of adding in kind of additions and expansions and extra modes because things are rattling along and you're wondering you know kind of what you can do next in order to kind of add value to the i guess to the proposition but sometimes uh, it must be a strange situation because i know people that spend kind of like you know two three years developing the game to the level that they want and then they make a decision on the Kickstarter campaign to add an additional mode which then they then find out they've only got like two or three months to test and as you're quite right you can end up in that situation where it can be one wrong thing and it can end up being oh it's a rata city now (laughs) you know here's the here's the latest version of the rules because that previous card that that we kind of gave you um, we're having to having to change it yeah yeah, well, and, and then, like, the other side of that coin is, like, a, you Kickstarter exclusives, right? And I don't want to do those because oh, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm either just throwing in nonsense because they backed on Kickstarter, or I'm taking things away from the true experience for everybody else who gets it retail. And that, that's, that's I'm not okay with that. And so I want everybody to play the real full game. So that's why I don't want to do some of those weird Kickstarter exclusives like that. I see I see the reason for kind of doing them, but at the same time it's also actually kind of slightly put me off kind of getting a game. Yeah. Um, I guess I, it just, I don't know, I, I kind of understand. I'm always kind of sitting on the fence when I see a click. I can completely understand for doing them because in these kind of times you've got to say, right, if you back this game on Kickstarter you'll definitely get you know, this, this will be an additional. I have seen Kickstarter exclusives where people have been quite annoyed at the Kickstarter exclusive when they got it through the door and have then been quite vocal. And then, or when I've seen a game on the second hand market come up and people have said, well, it's got the Kickstarter exclusive. It's like, well, what is the Kickstarter exclusive? It's, you know, it's this token is solid instead of being a bit of cardboard and folk went, oh, don't care or okay or, yay sometimes <laughs> yeah. people just want it for that completionist yeah. but sometimes people want to know what the utility yeah. of it is but like to, to me mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. kickstarter exclusives or or uh like more content coming in through stretch goals so I, like to me it really feels like um where the video game industry is with dlc right like oh right yeah. like are you giving us the full game or not kind of thing and and so that's why i try to avoid that stuff because i I I want to be giving the full game. I want everybody to know I'm giving the full game. Yeah, I, yeah. I that's a whole other discussion <laughs> about um, kind of add-ons and things that you pay kind of extra for. And I think it can sometimes um, it can sometimes kind of go against the campaign if the campaign hasn't been funded yes. already. I know that um um I know that Simon I mean they're 
their kind of their um their Game of Thrones IP, the Song of Fire and Ice. I know that didn't reach the giddy the giddy heights, I believe. You know, they were quite public, you know, when they launched their reports and said that, you know, some of their Kickstarter IPs that they launched that year just didn't perform the way that they kind of expected them. And all that campaign had an awful lot of extras that you could purchase. So if you were wanting the full amount, you were walking away, you know, you were walking in with a, you know, a couple of hundred dollars in order to kind of get the full experience. And I, I you know, again, I could, you know, you don't want to light the blue touch paper and step back with this one, Justin, because I will just go <laughs> off like a firework in the distance and all you'll hear is me screaming. So I'm just going to, we're not going to, we're not going to kind of go okay. there. Um, if we, but if we want to light the blue touch paper, <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad, <laughs> on Area 1851, how much is it to get a ticket to the alien cowboy yeehaw extravaganza. Twenty two bucks. What's gonna gets you gets you in the door with a copy of the game? Bucks. And then Can you say that with an American accent? Uh, uh, <laughs> Twenty two bucks, partner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, you actually <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, we're, it's we're like, I think we're we're doing shipping after the campaign too because we wanted the funding level to be right. the appropriate amount to make the game, and so it it's yes. we've got all we've got all our shipping information on there. So depending on whereabouts you live, you can have a general idea what that's going to cost later on. But but yeah, twenty two bucks yes. gets you a copy of the game, and you'll be able to have a blast with your friends and your family, and uh, make weird weird things together. Or you can go for um, 42 bucks and get the person that you love a copy of the game this as well. very true. And it's it's an even better you know, discount because it's only $42 for two copies. You can you can um, you can take that saving um, that you're going to make on that and you can also maybe buy them a kind of a card to go with their present of their there game. Um, it's not a very good argument, but it's the best one I can it's, come it's, up with. It's an acceptable argument. Off the top of it. I'll take it. <laughs> it's, a de- it's, it's a good point, well spoke, <laughs> as you would say. <laughs> um, have you got plans? I mean, next plans. I mean, are you? have you got a big box game going? You mentioned kind of mint works. So... And the potential kind of reprint stuff. So so where are we going next? What What can we expect from... You know, the 24th of May games. <laughs> well, uh, the next project we have coming up, we're going to be doing in the fall, probably September. And that's going to be another Mint 10 okay. game. We're, go- <laughs> we're going back to Mint 10s. This one's been in design for a while, mm-hmm. been in development. Um, it's actually, uh, I did not design this one, this next one. This was designed by um, a couple of guys that have, they've done a few games. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jonathan Gilmore or Brian Lewis. But they worked with us on this next game. Ah, uh, Jonathan. Did they do a covers album using ukulele? I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. Or no, the. I can't. Yeah, there's there's some game they did. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of I this I don't. Is it not Lizard Peninsula? Oh, no, something it's like not. that. It's um, 
It's on the tip of my T-Rex tongue. <laughs> Amphibian cliffs. <laughs> oh dear. Right, that's, you know, yeah, okay, everybody knows, you know, let's talk about the Brachiosaurus right. in the room. Um, uh, but yeah. But yeah uh, wow. Um, John had actually approached me after the mint delivery campaign and we talked a little bit and I said, we're hoping for yeah. it to do a kick, uh, a, a co-op game here. So if you want to take your hand at it, mm -hmm. go for it. And he decided to do that. So, so we got a, wow. a mint tin co-op game coming up here in September. That sounds amazing. You are, of course, um, because you, you have now officially been a guest on the show, you are obliged to at least ignore one of my emails that asks you to come on for your next project. <laughs> you are aware of this, oh, Justin. Oh, I, I didn't so, realize I was, I was I obliged think, to do that. It's in the oh. contract that um, oh, nobody okay. signed. <laughs> um, but... It's all right. I was speaking to John. I was, interestingly, I was speaking to John the other day um, because for some reason he accepted my Facebook request. I've no idea why. <laughs> um, but um, he's coming on again oh, cool. as soon as I, you know. So yeah, so we could uh, we okay. could have a chat and, 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 a and bit find about out. It. And okay, I, well, I will, I will. But enough about him. Um, if we are interested in finding out more about your good selves. Where can we find you on the internet webs? Um, on the internet webs, I can be found. <laughs> uh, so uh, me personally, I'm I'm typically Jay Blasky on everything. Uh, it's usually me. Okay. Twitter's the one exception. Don't follow Jay Blasky on okay. Twitter. It's underscore Jay Blasky. Some, some Janet... Some I bet. Do they do they use their account? Uh, someone got really? that account. Really? Do they use their account? They, no, they don't. Um, it uh, it was a long process of me trying to get that account because one person registered it for like a like a a drawing, then they never used it, and no. I, I like I emailed I emailed no. Twitter over and over again. I I tweeted at them. I emailed everything, deaf ears, only to find out that the account ended up getting hacked and. Um, by like you know, a porn site, basically, and uh, and so so now whenever people try to follow me and don't follow the right one, they get interesting stuff. I think the account actually might have been banned at this point, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> Unfortunately, on Twitter I'm <laughs> underscore Jay Blasky, but everywhere else I'm pretty much Jay Blasky. And and cool, cool, and obviously we've got the link to the Kickstarter, which we will make sure that we take all of the links and we put them in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, thank you very, very much for well, coming on, Justin. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. You've been very, 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 very welcome indeed. And I wish you best of luck. Thank you. With the rest of the campaign. Um, for everybody out there, if you listened along and you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, you can find us anywhere. I mean, seriously, go to the Googles, search We Are Not Wizards, like a rash. <laughs> the one that you're so embarrassed to go to your doctor about because you think it's going to get better, but then you realise it's actually going to make one of your arms fall off. Because you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We've got our website, which is wearenotwizards.com. We've got our blog, which is wearenotwizards.blogspot.com. You can find us on Instagram, where we put pictures 
You can f- email us, <clears throat> which is magic at we're not wizards.com. Yes, I am aware of the irony of the address. It's why I picked it, because I believe I'm very <laughs> funny. Um, you can you can find us, you can, if you like this, if you've listened to this and like it, there's um, a couple of things you can do. You can tell other people about it, you know, just tell them. Or the other thing you can also do is as well is you can go to your podcast catcher of choice and leave us a rating or a review. If you like us even more than that, go to Apple Podcasts yeah. and leave us a rating or a review. And as we say, if you um, <clears throat> don't give us 10 don't stars, us if you do that. 10 is too many, but don't give us one oh, star yeah, that's t- because we, we're just very ugly, <laughs> crying, you know, Ten just sobbing the day. in the dark. Or, sorry, one just ruins the day. D- one star. It's, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, both. both. Either. It's too much on both sides. Either. F- five. Right in the middle. In the middle. Bang. Right in the middle. Average. Because we are just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, a yee-haw, <laughs> me briskets are burning, and all that mad cowboy talk. Well, that's not, that's not, that's not cowboy talk <laughs> at all, is it? I'm going to risk you, little lady. Um, yeah, that's, no, I'm not going to do that anyway. It's a rather wonderful, rather <laughs> fantastic Justin Blasky. Oh, thank you thank very you, much. Thank and there's only two more things to do. First thing, remember, we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Justin? No, we're not. We're not wizards at all. Who said that? So that's a I, false rumor. We are working alongside aliens to to create some wonderful technology, but none of that involves magic. Seems like magic, it, but it's just technology. It's just technology. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Justin. Say goodbye, Justin. Goodbye, Justin. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and get yourself on a Kickstarter. Get looking at Area 1851 by the 24th of May Labs games. One day <laughs> they'll get their name right. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. But soon, and for the rest of your life. <laughs> until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.